Hello. Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or slave, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I want to use for a thought today the challenge that love embodies. The challenge that love embodies. So, Father, thank you now for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the thing that you sent your word to. Speak to us now. God, we need to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The challenge that love embodies. Amen. So during these times that we're living in right now, one of the things that, that I've been hearing is that all we need to do is, is, is simply love each other and pray. There's no need for calling out injustice. There's no need for protesting. There's no need for all of this fuss that's going on, talking about racism and talking about uh, inequities in society, talking about marginal, marginalization and disenfranchisement of African-Americans and so forth. There's no need for all of that. All we really need to do is just love God, love each other, and let God work it all out. Mm. And it's not just coming from people in general, but this is coming from, this is a theological position that, that a major portion of the church has taken. And it's not a major portion of, if we have to say these days, and because we, have, we live in this society, we have to say this, whether you like it or not, it's not the position of the black church, not the majority of us. Uh, it's basically the position of the white evangelical church that, that we don't really need to do all of these active things. We need to love each other. We just need to let love work this out. Trust God and he's going to work this out. Uh, it's a position of non-engagement. It's really a position of maintaining the status quo. All right? Um, not ruffling feathers, not rocking the boat. That is really the position that this is about because as you all know, if you grew up in, in, a, in a predominantly black congregation, we've had to deal with this for generations. And if you grew up in a predominantly black congregation with pastors who loved the Lord, we didn't preach hatred and we still don't preach hatred nor do we preach separation. We, we, we attempt to speak the truth in love. And the civil rights movement was birthed out of the church, in the church and out of the church. So therefore, in the beginnings, you see many pastors, Dr. Martin Luther King and a lot of other pastors. Everybody knows Dr. Martin Luther King uh, and the other pastors you may not know that, that led the way 
and that spoke out against injustice and spoke out against racism. But this position today that a major part of the church has taken has not helped the cause of Christianity. I was listening to a a sports commentator, and, and many of you know him. I don't know if his last name is Shannon. The first name is Shannon. Shannon Sharp. Yeah. I was listening to him the other day. I started to post it, but I didn't post it on my page. I just listened to him. And he was responding to to someone. And he said, enough of this stuff about forgiveness. We've been forgiving too long. Well, (laughs) well, Well, that that's really not the position <laughs> that that Christians take. We really have to forgive. But I understood his point. Amen. And and I understand the feelings of a lot of of black people in America that forgiveness and it's actually being docile, being 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 very meek and you know pulling back and not doing anything or saying anything that and, and people see the churches having taken that position while others in the church exploit us exploit the situations you know and 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 keep people and treat people uh, as though they are nothing yes welcome us in in their congregations but many times don't welcome us in leadership they they want our singers they want they want good praise and worship and the, and the soul music. But when it comes to leadership, when it comes to changing theology, when it comes to challenging people in the pews about loving everybody and rejecting racism and getting involved in the struggle, a lot of times we don't see that. We don't, we don't even hear it. We actually don't even hear it. And, and there is a theological position, and I, I understand this, you know, that we don't want to have a bully pulpit. Uh, but in the black church, we preach righteousness. We don't think you think it is bullying. If you're in sin, you're just in sin. We got to preach about sin. And we don't see it as bullying, but we see it, see it as speaking what God has spoken in his word. Yeah, yeah. So... So we see this, we see that this has happened. It's, it's maintaining the status quo. It's not ruffling the feathers of the people in the pews. And don't you realize that many times your feathers need to be ruffled? God is going to ruffle your feathers. If you call yourself a Christian, whether you're in the pulpit or in the pew, the Holy Ghost is going to ruffle your feathers. You, if you sit in a, in, 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 in a church where the word is God is being preached, whether you're preaching it or whether you're sitting under the preaching, the Lord is going to challenge you in your walk with him. And the sermons will challenge you in your walk with the Lord. I have never wanted to sit under a sermon where it felt like I was sitting in a lecture and never being challenged by my, about my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and my walk with the Lord. Yeah. So, 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 this position is a very spiritually passive position. And it cloaks itself in a false sense of righteousness. Yeah, because I love, I'm righteous. Yeah. Because I say I love you, I'm righteous. And, and it's, 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 it's a false sense of righteousness because saying I love you can be very superficial. You can say I love you to my face and call me a gorilla or a nigger behind my back. You can, you can accept the laws and allow your children to go to school with my children because you have to. But you never want your daughter to marry my son. Nor do you want my son to marry your daughter and vice versa. Yeah. And this is across the board. It's not just white people. 
But sometimes, sometimes when we when we see all of the ramifications, then you can understand how we feel. Because of the history, the history of racism in this nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you can reject that. You can say, I love you to my face, but, but, but you don't want your to marry my son. You don't want your son to marry my daughter. But yet you say you love me and you accept me. So love is a very superficial word. And we know that. We know that. We're not foolish. We're not foolish. We know that love is very superficial. Because even in interpersonal relationships, we have a saying, we grew up with a saying, love is what love does. Yeah. So Christians, Christians cannot simply say that they love. That love has to be put into action in some concrete way. And in times like these, in fact, in all times, we have to search our hearts and determine how we put hands and feet to our love so that people actually see the works of love in our lives. Love without action, without meaningful action, is like faith without works. The Bible says faith without work is dead. Love without meaningful action is dead. It is empty. It is nothing. Meaningless action. And, and, and meaningless action has to be more than accepting me because you think I'm a quote unquote good nigga. It has to be more than accepting my son because you think that he is a good black boy. You're understanding. You're understanding. So we're not foolish in this matter. And we're not fooled. It doesn't make me feel wonderful that you come to me as a white brother or white sister and say, I love you. It doesn't make me feel wonderful. Especially in these times, I want to see what you're doing. I want to see what you're willing to embrace. I want to see a change of perspective. I want to see the challenge that love embraces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a challenge. It is a challenge. Amen. Because it requires people to move out of their safe places. Right? It, it requires people to move out of their comfort zones and to face some uncharted and many times fearful and ugly things. Because everybody is not a Christian. Because everybody is not born again. Many times when, when, when our white brothers and sisters join into the movement and, and begin to empathize and begin to show that they are understanding and they want to be supportive and they want to know what they can do to change, then they get labeled nigger lovers. They get challenged. A friend of mine, I don't know if he's still pastoring where he was pastoring, but he posted on his Facebook page the other day, just because he was wearing a mask, and this may not have anything to do with, 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 with racial issues, but, it, but because uh, we've, we've politicized wearing masks. <laughs> so he, he, he yelled at the, this man in an old pickup truck, rode by and yelled at him, and called, I think he said he called him a nigger lover wow. because he was wearing a mask. Wow. Because apparently Trump supporters don't wear masks. Right. And that was my response to him, I guess, because he sees you that you're wearing a mask that you're not a Trump supporter. Now, of course, that's a generalization. All right, I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that's gospel. And I didn't make a general statement with that. But, but why else would you pass by someone who's wearing a mask and yell at them? You want your freedom not to wear a mask, and you don't want me to say anything to you, 
give me my freedom to wear a mask. As a matter of fact, because if you love the brethren, then you'll put on a mask to make sure that everybody else is protected. Just in case you, with your foolish self, have been going all of these different places and interacting with all of these different people, and now you want to come in my face and bring the possibility of an infection to me, of exposure to me. And we know some instances where that has happened. Amen. I'm not allowed, I can't say it, but we know. <laughs> we know that that has happened recently. Very recently. So, 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 I've been praying about this thing. I, I've really been praying about this thing. You know, I kind of, I, I want to, I want to, I want to move away from this. I want to, I want to get back to preaching victory and, 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 you know, preaching, <laughs> preaching the peace of God and preaching the love of God and, you know, and defeating the devil. But, but the Lord just keeps me right here because all of this stuff is happening and, and we have to be relevant to this present age. We have to be relevant to the prayer. So I've been praying about this. I know that God requires more than just giving lip service. Because God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of love for all people. God loves a saint and God loves the sinner. Amen. If God didn't love the sinner before you, before you and I received salvation, we wouldn't be saved. God has drawn us by his love. Yeah. But when you look at the scriptures and you look even at the gospels, God especially deals with and lifts up the oppressed. He lifts up the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the widows, the orphans. That is God's concern because God knows that people of power, people of influence, rich people have a tendency to overlook and to oppress and to take advantage of the voiceless in society. And all you have to do is look at history. All you have to do is look at history. If you have money, if you have power, if you have wealth, if you're in a, in a place of, of influence, there is the tendency throughout history for people to take advantage of the poor, yep, yep. take advantage of the voiceless, to take advantage of the marginalized. People who are powerless against the political system. And I know a lot of people feel powerless against the political system. People don't vote today because many African Americans will not vote because they say, what's the use? That's right. That's right. We've been voting and it hasn't made any difference. What's the use? Nothing is going to change. Now, you know, if we had the time, and, and we're going to take the time on some podcasts to deal with a lot of this, because there is a reason for this happening. And for black people who don't want to accept the fact that this has been systematic, you know, if you can watch a documentary like 13th and just see this laid out in the birth of a nation and just see this laid out and you can see what has happened in legislation, you know, even, even recently in recent times, like, you know, after passing the Voting Rights Act and the, the Civil Rights Act and then seeing how now they, the, the rhetoric was changed and, and it began to be a war on crime, a war on drugs and a war on crime. But see the majority of people who were targeted and see the majority of people who were locked up put in jail and hear the statement that people know that once you go to jail, that's the end of it. Now, of course, we want to deal with people's today. We want to deal with, with people's crime and why they do the thing and, you know, why they have the mentality they have. And we're not looking at a history of systematic dehumanization of black men in, in particular. And when you, when you disenfranchise and you dehumanize the black man disproportionately and you separate families and there is not that influence of a man leading his household, of a man standing up and having integrity and feeling empowered and feeling confident. Now we have what we have in our communities today. And we did not create this monster. We didn't create this monster. I've been praying about this. God requires more 
more, more than just saying, I love you. So as I prayed, Holy Spirit took my mind to God. I was already on God, but he took my mind further in God. <laughs> to who God is and what God did in Jesus Christ. As I reflected, it wasn't long before I realized the importance of this reflection. The Bible declares that God is love. He is love. Amen. First John chapter four, verse eight and verse 16 B. The Bible declares that God is love. Amen. His very character is love. But God's love is never passive. It's never passive. Amen. Amen. It's never passive. God's word, God's love has always been active. In some form, in some way or another, God is engaged with his people. He is not a God who sits high and simply looks low. He is engaged, creating Adam and Eve, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, looking for them, calling them by name. Adam, where are you? He is engaged, calling Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob, and entering into covenant with them. God is engaged, sending Joseph into Egypt and raising him up to preserve a people through prophetic revelation. God is engaged, speaking directly to his people through Moses and leading them up out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land. All throughout the Bible, you see God's engagement with his people. He doesn't just sit high and look low. He doesn't just send a message of love to his people. God is engaged. In the New Testament, we see God's engagement with his people. And this is so important for the church today. We say we are the New Testament church. This is important for us to see and to reckon with in our theology and in our preaching. And let me say right here, just in case, just in case you think I'm being very biased in my preaching, this message is not just for white people, it's for black people too. Because we have to love people. Amen? We have to love people. And we have been, for the most part in the church, we've been a very loving and a forgiving people. Whew. So God doesn't just send a message of love. In the scriptures, God demonstrates his love for his people. And this speaks volumes to the church today, especially those who want to sit on the sidelines and say that they love others, in particular in this moment, in the struggle against injustice, in this moment, those evangelicals, amen, and this, you know what? It's not, just, it's not just white people. You know, it's, 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 it's those of us who bought into that theological perspective and that false teaching because we've been sitting under preachers and teachers who've been preaching this lie that all you have to do is pray and God will make a way out of no way. I know prayer is a position that we take and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But like I said last week, when you look at, 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 at Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Why are you going to put on armor if you're not going to go to war? Why? Why would you put on all of this armor just to go sit and pray? Why? If I'm going to put on the arm of God, it's to go to war in this battle against evil. Got to go to war. We've got to engage. We've got to engage. You say, why are you preaching this to us, Pastor? Most of us here are African Americans. Because we need to hear this, and we need to know this, and we need to stop buying into that lie. All you got to do is pray. Wait on God. And that's what some of our people have been saying all along. You've been preaching, praying, and waiting on God for all of these years, and nothing has changed. 
and they see our so-called white brothers and sisters progressing and going on with life and having a good time and not facing injustice and not facing uh, inequities and being privileged. They see this and they see black people suffering and black people being killed in the streets disproportionately. Going to jail for minor things. Going to jail for years. For minor things that white people don't go to jail for. So if you're going to criminalize cocaine, crack cocaine, and send people to jail for crack cocaine, criminalize cocaine and send people to jail for using and buying and providing. So how in the world today... Can you say now that meth and the use of meth is a, is a medical problem? How can you do that? How can you do that today? How can you pass legislation and provide money for people who are on meth and you might take them to jail for a little while, but you're trying to get them healed, trying to get them made whole, but you sent our men and our women to jail and forgot about them. While white people who use cocaine because it was a suburban drug. You say, well, I didn't do it, but you voted for the people that did. You kept uh, supporting the system that did. You benefited from the system that did. And you still don't see any difference. You still don't see any difference. You still don't see why we're hurting. You still don't see why there's so much talk and so much talk about pain. And, and now we're beginning to understand the trauma of all of this. And you don't understand why. But you're filled with the Spirit of God. And there's an anointing on your life to preach the gospel and you've written all of these books and you're making money and you're living rich and you're living comfortable while a segment of the body is hurt. Yep. So if you really want to know how to engage, hopefully you bought into it. And it's going to take a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's going to take a lot of convincing. But the thing about it is, people need to know the truth. You can't, we can't just not preach this. We can't, I don't care what congregation you're in, I don't care if you lose your job. You got to speak the truth in love. And sometimes it may mean you losing your job. Speak the truth in love. You say, how am I going to make it? How am I going to support my family? What about your trust in God? What about the God that will make a way out of no way? What if you lose your life? You know, well, Martin Luther King died. But before Martin Luther King died, Jesus died. He stood up against the system. He stood up against the Jewish system. He stood up against scribes and Pharisees. He called Herod a fox. He called those leaders empty tombs. I mean, he, he dealt with their unrighteousness. He dealt with their wickedness. Many times cloaked in being religious leaders. And it's the religious leaders that's a big part of the problem. And that's what I'm saying today. Yeah, there are a whole lot of people that are engaging in the struggle. They're not over churches. They're not. It's the religious leaders. Tony Evans said in that message that that we heard, uh, I posted on my Facebook page, somebody else posted it, I think somebody did. He said the church could have fixed this a long time ago. That message was preached three years ago. He said the church could have fixed this a long time ago. This is why the Lord has, has burdened my heart so with this message. The church has power, but we've used it wrong. 
we could have fixed this. We should have been preaching against slavery. We should have been not just black people, but white pastors. Amen. Not just a few, not just the informed, but you should have been informed. You should have been willing to risk losing your purpose to speak truth and preach righteousness and justice alone time ago. And listen, this is not the time to do this just so you can get notoriety. This is not about notoriety. Jesus was never about notoriety. This is not the time. If you're going to do this, you got to do it because the Spirit of God has touched and changed your heart and you do it out of love. Do it out of love. Anyway, let me go. So, 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 so. So how do we, how do we, how do we engage? How do we, and, and, and again, when we talk about this, we got to look at Jesus. And you've noticed that, that over the past couple of weeks, I, I focused on seeing Jesus. Well, when you look at Jesus, um, keep me on time. When, when, when you look at Jesus, okay. When you look at Jesus, what do you see? Well, in this passage of scripture, the thing that you see is that Jesus enters the human situation. Jesus enters. God in Jesus enters the human situation and lived what we live. Think about that. He was in the form of God, Paul says, but did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped for his own benefit but he made himself of no reputation, taken on the form of a bondservant or slave, coming in the likeness of men. Amen. Jesus Christ, very God of very God. Hallelujah. Coming in the form of a man. Very God of very God in his pre-incarnate state. Jesus Christ, in terms of essence, in terms of dignity, in terms of glory, in terms of power, had the very nature of God, but did not insist in remaining equal with God. He gave it all up, and he took on the very nature of a servant to fulfill the will of God. I tell you, I've been praying about this thing because the question in my mind is, how do we fix this? We see the problem. We know it's a serious problem. How do we fix it? All right? There's only so much that we can do. God has to do, God has to do the most of this. And that's why people's hearts have to be changed. And we have to see that it's not just me saying I have a heart of love. If I really have a heart of love, I need to do what Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? He entered the human situation. He didn't insist on maintaining his status in heaven, in the Godhead, but came in the form of a man. He became a man like us. He became a human like you and me. He didn't remain in heaven and speak love to us. He entered our world. He entered our world. Are you hearing? He entered our world. He became a part of our world. He entered our experience. He entered your experience. He entered my experience. He put himself in a position where he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Yes, he did. So that we could have a high priest who was able to empathize with us in our weaknesses. But yet he remained without sin. So I submit to you today that we can't be genuine Christians and stay neutral in this matter that affects mankind. We just can't be. You can't be neutral. You can't be. You know, you can't be. And this is for any of us. It's for any of us. If you're going to deal with unrighteousness, you can't be neutral. You have to take a side. And your side should be with Jesus. You have to take a stand, and your stand has to be with Jesus. Okay? So you can't just say that you love me. You can't just do that. You have to demonstrate that you love me. Oof. Yeah. And you have to, and you can only do that by entering my situation. 
like Jesus did and empathizing with me, seeking to understand my pain, seeking to understand my struggle, seeking to understand my trauma. There's no way you can truly love a person until you do that. Now that cuts across the board because a lot of people say, I love, I love, I love, but they're not inter- willing to enter a person's situation. They're not really willing to understand why a person is the way that they are. We want to leave that for the psychologist to do. But that's not what Jesus did. And we say, we're like Jesus. We say, we are Christ followers. If you're following Jesus, you do what Jesus did. Yeah, yeah. In the United States of America, black and brown people have been systematically dehumanized, systematically disenfranchised, systematically criminalized. If it were not so, how can a lady in a park with a dog and when she's just asked to put a dog on a lease, how can she so freely say, I will call the police and I will tell them that a black man, if it were not so, how can a lady drive her car into a lake and kill her children and say a black man, if it were not so, how? How can people dress in blackface and go out and rape white women and make it seem like a black man did it so that black people could be punished and put in jail and whole communities wiped out? If it were not so, how can a man lie, a woman lie and say that black boy whistled at me? Come on. All of these, anyway. When laws were passed to equalize things, people systematically fought against those laws. Laws were passed to dismantle some of this because hearts of people didn't change and the church let this happen. The church let this happen. We are supposed to be a predominantly Christian nation. We're supposed to be a predominantly Christian nation. When people ask folk what faith do they identify with predominantly in the United States, people say Christianity. Well, I tell you, my brothers and sisters, and maybe this is wrong for me to say it, but I, I heard, I think it was Shannon say this when he was talking, I don't want the Jesus that some of our people say that they have. Because it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's not the God who revealed himself in Jesus. And I'm sorry, but I don't want that Jesus. Your Jesus can allow you to destroy our homes and destroy our families. To keep us marginalized. Jesus allows you to do that. Jesus allows you. To automatically say when a black person is killed, well, we just need more evidence before we take a stand. When you see a man who's brutally killed in the street, a police officer has his knee on his neck, and the man is saying, I can't breathe. You right out there, well, how can he say he can't breathe if he can talk? If he can talk, he can breathe. Watch the system. They're saying that this man is eligible for his million-dollar pension. If he's convicted, he should be stripped of his pension. We are convicted. We lose rights. We lose voting rights. It's difficult for us to get jobs. Or maybe none of you have been to jail. Maybe you don't understand this. But it's difficult for people to get jobs. Because on the, on the application they ask, do, have you ever been convicted? And people will weed you out. Some of us have been wise enough 
to change names because folk are having a job, having a hard time getting jobs because of their names. We didn't realize that when we were given these names, it was going to cause us to be uh, 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 discriminated against. Because people look at your name and they decide that you must be black. So we're not going to give you this job. And you say, you can't prove that. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Let me. Yeah. Yeah. But this is not God's way. This is not God's way. You can't treat me like trash. You can't treat me like garbage. You can't treat me like the scum of the earth and then say that you love me. And, 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 and get past this. We didn't do that to you. But you did it to my people. You cannot separate me from my people. Because you didn't do it to me. And maybe you won't do it to my son, but you might do it to my grandson. You might do it to my niece or my nephew. We are the body of Christ. We are one in Christ Jesus. You can't mistreat me. Lord, help us today. Say that you love me. Cannot do that. God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. God put love into action. God demonstrated. Amen. He put love into action. God doesn't segregate based on color of a person's skin. God does not create systems that keep people oppressed. God is not a liar. God is not a thief. God does not hang people and take photo ops. God loves. God is merciful. God does not show partiality. God does not sit in heaven and say he loves us. God demonstrates love. Let this mind be in you. The Bible says that was also in Christ Jesus. Let this kind of mind. He was in the form of God. But he didn't consider, it, consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a burn servant, and coming in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's how God showed love. Love is not simply talk. Love has to be proven in action. Secondly, and, I, and I'll be finished quickly. Secondly, because that's the major part of the message. Secondly, Jesus was not a power grabber, nor was he a privileged exploiter. Jesus was not a power gra grabber, nor a privileged ex exploiter. There is an ungodly spirit that prevails in the world that pushes people to seek power and privilege for their own benefit. It's all over the world. It's the spirit of Antichrist. All right? Spirit of Antichrist. Satan wanted God's position. Thank you. Yeah. Satan wanted, it wanted God's position. Satan wanted God's glory. Satan wanted God's worship. He is behind the spirit of power grabbing. He is behind the spirit of, of, of privileged exploitation. This is not the most high God. It's not of the most high God. Jesus demonstrated that because when he had the opportunity, he didn't take it. He didn't take it. Amen. He did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped for his own benefit. Now, I'm not saying that any race of people is equal with God. I'm dealing with the example that Jesus set. So, so God didn't put any of us in a place where we should be grabbing power. Where we should be power seekers. Where we should be exploiting privilege. If I have a privilege to do something, I should welcome you as a part of that privilege. I'm not angry with you about, about your privilege. What I'm angry about is when you exclude other people. 
when you mistreat other people. So, so James could deal with the rich in the book of James. They would come into church. And, and we saw this growing up. Some of us did, you know, when I, when, when, and, and people wouldn't come. They wouldn't come to worship with us. Our white politicians wouldn't come to worship with us until it was election time. And when they came in, some of our people would bring them all the way up to the front of the church. That thing used to make me so mad. You come in late, sit at the back. Sit at the back. You, you, you don't deserve a special privilege. I'm up preaching. You walk all the way to the front of the church. Even as a preacher, I practice that. If I go into worship late, don't usher me to the pulpit. Lady said to me one time, but you're a preacher. You're supposed to be in the pulpit. I said, no. I'm supposed to sit where I want to sit. And I, I choose not to disrupt worship and go all the way to the pulpit. But we saw that growing up. It used to, as a boy, it used to just, you know, but I understood our older people, you know, and, and, and how some of our older people fe felt. But we don't exploit privilege. Rather, Jesus humbled himself. Before the New Testament era, humility had a negative connotation. It conveyed the idea of base, of being base, being unfit, being shabby, mean, or of no account. But Christ changed that whole concept. Humility actually became a noble virtue for one to seek and embrace and embody. Christ's humility is the standard for evaluating the, the worth of other people and actions toward them. So when I am humble like Jesus, I look at my brothers and, I'm, and my sisters and I see their worth. I do not see them as being unworthy people. I see them as people being created in the image and the likeness of God. And I see their inherent value and their inherent worth. Humility rejects the trappings of power and privilege and gives oneself in the service of God in Jesus Christ. That was, that's what Jesus did. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He died. Now, you know, that, that in itself speaks to this whole issue because you have to die to self. If you're really going to embrace Christ and his standard, you have to die to self. And that's all, that's for everybody. Because all of us have biases. You know, all of us have prejudices. We have to die to self. You got to die to self. So you got to die to this image, to this, to this thought in your mind that, that black people deserve what they've gotten. You got to die to this false theological and false biblical interpretation that because of the curse of Ham, black people were supposed to be slaves. You misread the scripture. The scripture didn't say curse be Ham. The scripture says curse be Canaan. Who were the Canaanites? They were not black people. They were not in Africa. The Canaanites were Europeans. Whatever good that group was in that area, they were not in Africa. They were not. So you've misinterpreted. You built a whole theological argument on a false interpretation and an erroneous interpretation of Scripture. And see, we need to know this because some of us bought into that foolishness. I tried to educate a young man from Liberia online one time about this, and with a foolish self, he kept on talking. I said, there's no hope. I just deleted him from my page. I am not dealing with your foolishness anymore. You, didn't, you weren't even born in the United States. Don't even live in the United States. Don't even know our struggle, and then you're going to buy into this foolishness? So humility, humility rejects the trappings of power and privilege and gives oneself in service of God. You know what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12? And you really should read the previous chapters to see his whole teachings on what it, the woes to the scribes and the Pharisees, to the religious leaders. But to make this real short in verse 48, the latter part of that, he says, for everyone who's been given much, much is demanded. And from one who is entrusted with much, much more has been asked. So to that rich young ruler who wanted to be justified, 
You know what Jesus said? He said, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, then come, follow me. Whoop. This is the challenge that embodies love. And this is why this challenge is not accepted by a lot of people in power and they're just like that rich young ruler who went away sorrowing because he had a lot of riches. He was rich. He was wealthy. He couldn't see everything that he had worked so hard. And he probably hadn't worked hard for it. You know, it probably was given to him as inheritance. You know why some of us don't have inheritances? Because it was stolen from our people. It was stolen from our people. You don't have anything today because it was stolen. You don't know the value of owning property today because it was stolen. Nobody gave, nobody, there's no lineage of passing on wealth among many of us. So when I looked at my family and I saw what the slave master, who was my great, great, great grandfather, gave to his son, and I see what's in our family today, and I see who got the property, I understand this proposition. And I see that, that my father didn't have much to leave for, for his 11 children. But it was because of my wife and her family, what they had, we have many of the things that we have today. And it was my determination from a young man that I would give my son a good start in life. A lot of us can't do that. And it's not because we don't want to do that. <sighs> Lastly, I need to finish this. That, that we, we need to have that conversation. We need to have that conversation. We got to get back to wanting things. Yeah. Give us the 40 acres in a mule. Give it to us. If you can give the slave owners $300 per slave, give me my 40 acres. Give me my mule. Give it to me. Let me decide what I want to do with it. The mule today costs more than the mule did back then. If I choose to sell it and invest the money, give it to me. Jesus said, sell everything you have. See, some of y'all, some people got to sell out, not just spiritually. You got to start with the heart. And then, you know, once you, once you, you do like, like Zacchaeus did, you know, the story of Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus, what did he say? He said, I will restore. Was it threefold? Anything I've stolen. Anything I've stolen. So that means that my, my children got part of the inheritance of what I stole. I have to take it from them and I need to give it back. Whew. Let me finish this. Lastly, lastly, the question for, for Christ's followers today should be, why did Jesus do what he did? Why did he leave heaven enter the human situation, become as a man. Why did he humble himself? He didn't just become as a man. The Bible says he became like a bond servant, like a slave. Why did he do all of this? The real answer is that he wanted to do the will of God. That's the answer. He didn't do all of that just for us. He didn't do all of that just because he was simply touched by our predicament. He did it because it was God's will to reconcile all humanity unto himself. So it's really not about us. Jesus' entire focus was on doing the will of God. Now, with your self-righteous, ethical, moral self, do you really want to do the will of God? Do you really want to do the will of God? How do I know that Jesus did this to do the will of God? And I'm, 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 I'm really just about finished. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 7. Therefore when Christ came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. 
Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the volume of the books, in the Bible, in the scrolls. I have come to do thy will, O God. I rest my case. If we say will Christ follow us, then our will is not important. Our selfish ambitions, our goals and our preferences, our biases, our prejudices are not what is important. What is important is to do the will of our Heavenly Father. Manifested to us in Jesus Christ. We cannot say that we don't know what that will is. It's in the Bible. I'm talking to Christians now who should know the Bible. It's in the Bible. And if you don't know, you can read. Read the Bible. Jesus went out of his way to show us this. Hosea said, he's shown you, oh man, what is right and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus went out of his way to go by well in Samaria to show us how he wants us to meet, treat, and reach people. Or meet, reach, and treat people. He crossed cultural barriers. He crossed racial roadblocks. He disregarded what was socially acceptable at that time to meet, to reach, and to treat a dehumanized woman in the way that God wanted her to be treated, which led her to know God, which led a group of people in the city to know God. You should stop calling yourself evangelical if you don't know how to meet, reach, and treat people like Jesus did. Evangelical means that you're going out evangelizing. You can't win me if you have dehumanized me and you continue to practice that sense of dehumanization. You're going you're gonna to get a group of people who, and I don't mean this negative because I got a whole lot of educated people in here, okay? You're going to meet a group of people who have been educated and feel like they've arrived and they've reached a certain point in society and they like being welcomed. But they get in your system and they begin to see your stinkiness. They begin to see your stench. And they begin to see your racism. See that you don't really exemplify Jesus. Lord, help us. God, help us. Be like Jesus. Enter into the human situation, not just yours, but people who are marginalized, have been dehumanized, have been systematically oppressed and systematically criminalized. That's what this nation and world needs today. That's what God is calling for. Stop being a power grabber and a privilege and, 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 and a privilege uh, 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 whatever word I used. What did I say? A privilege exploiter. Stop being that. Stop being that. Embrace Jesus. Embrace his ways. Do the will of God. That's the bottom line. This is the will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for, for what your word that is active and alive, that is spirit and that is life, Thank you for what your word will do in us who hear and receive. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
all, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.